Good morning. Wow, it feels great in here. I want you to know it felt great in the 830 service too. If you were with us at the 830 service, it was packed and the presence of God was so sweet in that place. I'm so appreciative of our worship team because they go over there every morning, whether there's 10 people in that building or there is or it's packed full, and they give their best. They give their all. Then Bryn is soaked with sweat, and it's flying from him, and he just leads us right into the presence of God every single time, no matter what. And I just thank God for our worship team. I thank God that they press in. So if you've brought your tithe and offerings this morning to give, we have several ways to do that. There's two giving boxes right in the back as you're going out, and there's envelopes behind every seat. Um, there's also that you can give on the app, and then you can also scan to give right here, and we just thank you so much for being faithful in your giving. This morning, I'm super excited to speak what God has placed on my heart um, it's kind of a strange title, but I really feel God put it in my spirit. I saw it in the Word of God, and I thought that's what we're going to talk about this, this Sunday is a basket of ripe fruit. I was able to be with our youth on Friday night, and it was, it was awesome to be with the young people, and especially awesome that I didn't have to talk about sex, because for some reason, I'm always invited during Purity Week, <laughs> and nothing ever deviates from that. I don't ever get to speak about what I want to speak on. And so I just, you know, thank you, Drew, for trusting me with your theme this, this month. But they have been in a theme that I found super interesting and to think about in the last few weeks is in OC as it is in heaven. And although it's hard to find, you know, similarities really with heaven and, and OC, we do get glimpses every so often of heaven on earth, don't we? I mean, we have to look for those things for sure. A beautiful sunrise, that's heaven on earth. Walking near the ocean and just, there's nothing in my book that's more beautiful and reminds me because there's going to be an ocean in heaven. God's creation is a glimpse of heaven here on earth. But then it can get a little bit more complex. Our marriages can be glimpses of heaven for sure. Our families can be glimpses of heaven. Those things take work, and we have to be intentional if we want to see heaven in our family life, but it's possible. The church can be a glimpse of heaven on earth. It should be. And this should be the place that people come when they are searching for a glimpse of heaven in OC. They should see Elevate Ministries and say, that's where I'm going to go. God is infinitely complex. Yet he makes it so simple for us. The Bible simply describes God as God is love. It goes on to say simply, love God and love others. And as a ministry, that is the single most important thing that we can do, is love God and to love, love others, love people. This message I have for you today is a simple one. We are heading into a new month. We are heading into a month of evangelic type of ministry. We are going to do out, we did a huge outreach last night. We're going to do more. But last night, I just want to stop right there. Last night, we had a huge outreach in a ne nearby neighborhood. And I want to thank every single person that showed up 
that was a part of that outreach, whether you were just standing there to be a body for us of support, whether you were one handing out hot dogs or handing shaved ice out or doing little tattoos or crazy face painting, for Adrian who did the bike show, and today we're here today and we're going to give out those bikes after the service. But if you came today for the very first time, we welcome you and we are so thrilled that you are here to be with us this morning. So starting this next week, we're starting a summer theme called At the Movies. And maybe that's not your idea of a church theme, uh, granted, but hopefully it's something that will spark curiosity in a family that never goes to church. That's the goal. Sorry guys, it's not you. It's others. We are opening the amphitheater for a family movie night next Saturday, next Sunday night, where families can come and just be together in a safe environment with the church. An opportunity for us as the church to welcome them and bless them for a few short hours. What happens with that is when they go home, they know that there is a group of people down on that tiny little cul-de-sac street in Orange that are different. What are we doing? We're simply showing our love for God for others. It gets so easy to find ourselves, you know, consumed with, with our little bubble, and that's not a bad thing. I would say it's a very normal thing. And we should be very aware and prioritizing our marriage, prioritizing our families. We are all in this room going through different stages of life and ministry together. And those stages will continually be changing. You know, right now we are stepping into being grandparents. Many of you know that's a new season for us. A lot of my friends aren't in that season yet. We're all changing and we will continue to evolve. We focus on our salvation. We take time to focus on our marriage. We focus on our families and our children's salvation. We focus on our ministry that God has called us to do. It is all good things. But oftentimes I know in my own life, I have found it hard to prioritize others or evangelism into whatever stage of life I'm in. Now, it's kind of funny that I'm speaking on this today, but my dad always says preachers speak best out of their weakness. I'll be able to participate in those things after my kids go back to school at the end of summer. I'll be able to participate more in those things when my kids are out of school for the summer. Well, maybe after my kids graduate and there's no more sports and there's no more this and that, I'll have so much free time for the church. Maybe after I retire. There's always after, after, after this season, after next season. I know because I've been in almost every single one of those seasons. Somehow there's always an easy out for evangelism. Jesus simply said that God is love. And if that is the most important attribute about our God, then we have to figure out a way to express that in every stage of our life, not just with our family, but outside of our families. If we are truly soaking up all of God's love in our lives, we have to have others to wring it out on. 
I love in 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12 in the message version of the Bible. It says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudices and then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. This scripture doesn't say live exemplary life in your family. Live a life full of example in your church, in your workplace. It says in your neighborhoods. You know, Adam and I, every single night, we try and catch that little 30-minute clip with David Muir of the evening news. And so by that time, yeah, we go to bed early. We, we're in bed already, and Adam turns on that news. And we, granted, we barely make it through the first, well, the headline, you know, announcements, basically. <laughs> and then Adam's tossing the remote to my side and rolling over, good night. So, but at least we get the headlines. That's all you need to know what's going on in our world. People are hurting, people are lost, and people are stumbling. You get that in the first five minutes. Our nation... Our city is in a famine. Throughout the Bible, there were always famines. If you think about the Old Testament, for the Israelites, there was no such thing as nature problems. There was no such thing as global warming. There was no such thing as pollution. There was no such thing, scientific thing, to cause this to happen or to cause that to happen. To the children of Israel, if things were good, God was happy, and they were walking in obedience. If things were bad, God was mad about some sin in the camp, and either with the people themselves or it was with their leadership, and there was disobedience somewhere. And usually, it was the prophet that God had put in charge, and he would have to go and figure out the cause of that famine. He would have to search out the sin. Then he'd have to reveal it, and then he would have to bring the people to repentance that were doing it, and then they would force them to change. Famine was an opportunity in the Bible for both punishment, but also for opportunity, for repentance, but also change. If you know the, the stories in the Bible with famine, we know the story of Joseph. God uses him in a famine and brings Joseph out from slavery into a leader of his country where he was in charge of the provisions for people for seven years during famine. Cities all around them would come to him for food and sustenance. In the book of Ruth, it begins with a famine. It drives Naomi and Ruth out of their homeland with absolutely nothing. And because of famine, they find themselves moving exactly where God wants them to be. And only, not only that, but he provides everything they need to get there, blesses them, and Ruth is in the lineage of Christ. But it all started with famine. Because famine almost always causes movement. Something interesting that stood out to me as I've been studying this word famine, in the Old Testament, famine had a totally different meaning than in the New Testament. In the Old Testament of the Bible, famine was a Greek word, I'm going to pronounce it for you, it's ra'ab, meaning hunger. But in the New Testament, famine was pronounced limos, 
meaning failure. So here's two different meanings, two different seasons, two different generations with two different times of famine, two different, totally different meanings. So here we are today. Put, us, put ourselves right where we're at right now. Our, our culture, this generation, we're here today. We're slammed with negative news every single day. I'm going to give you a run-up real quick of your current headlines, okay? There's fires out of control everywhere. Rivers are drying up. There's heat waves where they should not be. Glaciers are melting. Global warming is at its worst. Russia, Ukraine are in war. People are being cut off from supplies. People are dying and starving. Terrorist bombs are going off. Mass shootings. Marches on the Capitol demanding legal abortion. Last month it was something else. Next month it will be something else. Gas prices are the highest they have ever been. Food is the most expensive it's ever been and rising. People can't afford to drive and pay their rent. Oh, and don't forget the biggest headline of all this week. The leader of our country has a cold. I don't want to leave that out. You know, that's like headline news. This is our news. We laugh or not, it's every single day. We are in the last days and we are living in a famine. I want to read this morning out of the book of Amos. And this little book in the Old Testament is between two other little books, Joel and Obadiah. And this book has only nine chapters in total. Don't panic. We're not reading all nine. <laughs> but it is one of the earliest prophetic books in the Bible. And it's powerful. But Amos, he was just a simple man. In Amos chapter 7, verse 14 through 15, he was asked who he was. And Amos answered and he said, I, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I was only a shepherd, and I took care of sycamore trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock, and he said to me, go and prophesy to the people Israel. So Amos simply had a heart for people, and God used him to speak out. Amos wrote about a vision that God gave him about a different kind of famine that was coming. And I want to look at his warning today because I believe that the famine is an opportunity for movement if we are prepared, if we are stocked with the supplies that not only we need, but what they need out there. We want to be storehouses in the storehouse when famine strikes. So we're going to be reading from Amos chapter 8 today, a chapter titled which I found very interesting, a basket of summer fruit. In Amos 8, chapter one, or verse 1, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. This is Amos speaking, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos, he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, the time is ripe for my people, Israel. I will spare them no longer. So a basket of ripe fruit, a basket of summer fruit. This was the fruit that was so ripe that it was so juicy, so ready to be consumed. But it would also not keep for very long. 
It was ready to eat right now. And when Amos said, I see ripe fruit, God replies back to him, and he said, the time has come, the end has come. What do you do when the fruit rots in your home to prevent all those nasty little fruit flies? Well, you throw it away, which is what this scripture is prophesying is going to happen. God continues this prophetic word, and he's calling out what has been going on with the people, the sins that are going on in the culture. In Amos chapter 8, verse 4, he goes on to say, Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will this new moon be over that we can sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended that we can market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price, cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. Doesn't that sound like our evening news? He's calling them out for their treatment of the needy, getting rich by cheating people, no longer holding the Sabbath reverently, but can't wait for it to be over so they can continue with their cheating neglecting to separate the bad from the good anymore, but blending it all together and selling it at the highest prices. This whole scripture is really talking about heart issues in our community and in our culture, sitting in their service, listening to the words of God being spoken, yet scheming and planning on how to make more money, how to cheat more people as soon as the service is over. This is scary stuff, but this is reality today. And God continues to speak about the consequences of this sin, the famine that he's going to be sending because of what he's seeing. It says in Amos chapter 8, 11, the days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, and it will not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. It's hard to imagine any other kind of famine worse than a famine of bread and water. But the Bible is telling us here there are worse things than the famine of food. Famine of hearing the words of the Lord. It's a severe lack. It's a, it's a scarcity. That's what famine is. It will be a famine. It will be a deafness of hearing the word of the Lord. And I think it's important to point, to point out in this scripture that God does not say there will be a lack of God's word at this time. It will be available for those that want to hear it. It's there, but there's going to be a famine of being able to hear the words of the Lord. The meaning of hearing in this text is more than just hearing with your ear. It's hearing that involves focus. It's a hearing that involves obedience. It's a hearing that causes us to act and want to move and to want to know more and draw closer to that voice. The Hebrew word for hearing means simply to obey. So this famine, this lack of hearing God's word, there will be no guidance. There will be people living in darkness and they will be walking through life like blind men stumbling in the dark and not knowing why they keep falling, but also they don't care to know. 
In the book of Isaiah 29, 9 through 10 is another prophetic word very similar. It says, be stunned and amazed. Blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not on wine. Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep, and he has sealed your eyes, and he has covered your heads. This is a whole different kind of curse, church. It's not your normal famine. In Matthew 4, 4, the Bible says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This scripture is saying that a famine of hearing God's word is the worst famine you can have. We need God's word to survive. We need God's word to live. And it's saying that this is going to be the worst famine of all. In our text, Amos continues his prophecy in verse 12. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Tell me that doesn't sound like our world today. Refugees coming, searching to, re to escape where they're at and have freedom to do what they want to do, searching for something. They don't even know what they're searching for. He's warning us that if we keep denying God's word and we keep pushing it away, it's going to get harder and harder to find it again. It's going to get harder and harder to hear it again. Jesus alluded to this very same thing in the parable of the story and uh, the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 verse 24. He said, "Take heed what you hear, because with the same measure you use what you hear, it will be measured to you." And to you who hear, more will be given. But whoever has, to him more will be given. But whatever do, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. When we seek God, it generally becomes easier to find him. But when we push God away, it generally becomes more difficult to hear and to receive his word. That's why when we see people come in and give their lives to Christ and then turn away a few months later and go back to the world, but then a couple weeks later, they're back in and they're giving their heart back to the Lord, it becomes less and less. There's only so many times that God will allow his name to be marched on and mocked. When they keep turning away from the voice of God that they know to be true, they will settle into the famine of hearing God's voice, and it will become their normal not to hear it. And most people won't even recognize this famine as a tragedy until it's too late. Everyone recognizes famine of food and water as a tragedy immediately. I mean, that is headline news. Look at the babies starving. Look at the families starving. They have no clean water. That's headline news. But a famine of hearing the word of the Lord? That's not so easy to identify. And most people in our world today living in that famine are relieved by it because they can't hear the voice of God. They can't hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So they really don't have to be held accountable for their actions, right? There will be nothing making them think about their consequences. There will be nothing making them think about eternity. This famine will be giving them authority to do whatever they want to do. And this sounds like our generation growing up now. This social media, online generation, the phrases and the captions and the hashtags that they all use. You see pictures of 
young girls with the hashtag living my best life and they're drunk with all their little friends, their eyes are glazed over. They're wearing clothes that show everything and yet they're out here at a party living their best life. The biggest lie of all is no regrets. I do it all over again. YOLO, you only live once, right? The reality is without hearing God's voice, intentionally hearing it to obey it, people will keep stumbling over things in the dark on repeat until their last breath. And people might be vaguely aware that things are breaking down in our society around us and, and more and more tragedies are happening, it's obvious. But they won't be able to make the connection between all the hardship they're seeing and their spiritual deafness. Because truth is a gift. And God has every right to withhold it if it is being ignored, if it's being marched on, and if it's being mocked. The famine of hearing really started back in Genesis, if you think about it. Adam and Eve, they chose to, be si to silence the truth that God, and reject God's word all about the tree of life. And all God did when they did that was give them what they wanted, a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. And they lost that intimate communication that they were so blessed to have. And you could read throughout their future. You could read without, you know, without hearing the word of the Lord walking in that famine. Generations just stumbled after them. Their own son killed his own, his own brother. And in our text in Amos, verse 14, it says, In that day, the lovely young women and the strong young men will faint because of their thirst. It's not talking about water. It's talking about a lack of knowledge that this young generation will follow what they've been taught by the older generation, whether it's their families or their peers or their church or their culture. In Lamentations 2.19, it says, Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every street corner. That hunger is lack of knowledge, not food. In Luke 6.21, the Bible says, Blessed are you who hunger now. You shall be filled. Luke 1.53, he has filled the hungry with every good thing. In order to survive this famine that is spreading, we have to be hungry for the things of God. Are you hungry for the word of the Lord? Are you hungry to hear the word of the Lord? Actively searching, actively receiving the words of the Lord and applying them to our lives. Only then can we be a people and only then can this church be a place, a church that others who are experiencing this famine can come in to receive their hearing. Have you ever watched one of those videos? I know pretty much every single person in here has because I've, every time I see one, I'm like, oh, I love these. The videos of the little deaf child in the doctor's office. And they've never heard their parents' voices. And they're, they're nervous. They're sitting probably in their mother's lap. And the doctor's fiddling with their ears. And they don't know what's going on. And they're freaking out. But the moment that doctor turns on that hearing aid, the child hears his mother saying, hi, honey, it's me, it's mommy. 
And then you hear the dad, hi, bud. And the tears just stop. And the overwhelming joy comes over that child. Let me tell you something. They never heard their parents' voice, but they knew them. That's what Elevate Ministries needs to be during this famine. We are going to activate hearing aids. Because we're convinced that all you have to do is hear his voice once. All you have to do is turn that on and say, oh, I know that voice. I need more of that voice in my life. Oh, Jesus, you're Abba Father, my creator. I was made in your image. We know all those things. We were created for those things. So the moment the hearing aid comes on, that's all it takes. And it will change everything. People may come here to watch a movie this month. And people may come here for a chance to win a bike. But what happens when they are around people who are hearing the word of the Lord? It turns on their hearing aids. And then those who have lived in this famine, the famine of hearing God's voice, they suddenly stop and they listen because they're so hungry for it. They're so dehydrated for it. They will recognize it just like those kids who never heard their parents' voices, yet they know. Wait, I know that voice. I know that presence. And suddenly wondering how you lived so long without it, so long in this famine. And then the change happens. And then the movement happens that is sparked from famine. Because famine always sparks movement. Change in their life, their family's life, their neighbor's life. And it will go on to impact this next generation of young people who will grow up hearing the word of the Lord strong in their faith, literally wiping out famine one person at a time. Hearing leads to obedience, and obedience leads to blessing. But it all starts with just one person who can hear the word of the Lord. One person who will testify, oh, God loves me so much. I want to tell you about the love of God. The title of this chapter 8 is a basket of summer fruit, ripe fruit. That means, church, that we are in a season. And that some people God brings into your path are ripe right now to hear the word of the Lord at that moment. But if we turn a deaf ear to their need, if we are too busy with other things to notice, then that ripe fruit is going to rot. That moment is going to be lost. In 2 Corinthians 6.2, it says, For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now, and today is the day of salvation. You know, when I was a little girl, my parents started a little church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it was my mom's favorite place to be. We, we were setting up a life there. We bought a home, a farm. My mom was just, my mom's a farm girl at heart, so she was already stocking up, you know, like apple butter and you name it, like we were settled. 
But we were only there for one year before God called my dad to go pioneer a ministry in the Philippines. Just one year. And if you've ever been a part of a church from the ground up, it's pretty small still in one year. But one day in that year, this young newlywed couple walked in. They had given their hearts to the Lord, but they were looking for a spirit-filled church. And it was like their hearing aids for all things supernatural and spiritual were just being turned on. And they began to where they couldn't get enough of God's words. In that year, my parents started feeling called to the Philippines. And I've often looked back and wondered, was it even worth it? That one year? Why didn't God just call my parents the year before and just give us another year in the Philippines? I mean, we were there for eight But every single service, I get to sit here on the front row and I get to watch their son Bryn lead us in worship of that couple that walked into our church all those years ago. I get to watch him lead our church in worship. I get to watch Bryn and Cindy raise their family. I, I, Bryn came to our church and he introduced my son to his wife, Lisa, and Lisa's hold, hold, carrying my granddaughter in her womb. So you ask me, you tell me, does a year matter? Does a year matter? Do the souls matter? Yes. Because that family, that couple was so ripe at that moment. And they have served God every year since. They have served God with their lives. Their family loves the Lord. It all matters. It all matters. Every single person, every single opportunity throughout the years growing up, all the churches my dad would start and stay for a few years and then give it over to another man to lead and then start again. Throughout the years, we still have relationships from every single one that he did. And they're precious in our lives today because their stories are intertwined with ours forever. There is an urgency to our calling. For such a time as this, we can't see it when we're doing it. But one day we get to see it. All those moments, all the right fruit that was just the right moment for that person. We have an opportunity this coming month especially to bring light into the darkness. To introduce the voice of the Lord to people who are living in the famine. These outreaches, there's a basket of fruit waiting these services are filled with ripe fruit. People you meet on a daily basis, it's ripe fruit. The one that makes your little Starbucks coffee, they are ripe fruit. God gives us ripe fruit moments, and it has to be now or never. Because God's timing is perfect. But if we miss it, and those moments, if we let those moments pass, because we don't know what to say, what am I going to say? I'm going to be so embarrassed. If we let those moments pass and talk ourselves out of it, the ripe fruit is left there to rot. We have to be a people, church, that look for ripe fruit. We are simply to show the love of God, to love others like Christ loves us. It is not easy, and it's not getting any easier. 
People are getting more deaf to every day to the truth. The enemy's agenda is getting louder and louder, and people are experiencing a famine of the words of the Lord. We have to go up against the noise. The song we sing today, Rise Above the Noise. We have to go up against the noise. We have to be bold in how we live and how we talk and how we act. There will be no appearance of evil in my life. Living by example, representing the words of the Lord, letting his light shine through us, letting his joy bubble up from us. You have anxiety? Look what Jesus can do. Allowing people to see God's peace over our minds when we're living in this world. God's peace over our home. Well, I don't know what to say to people. Then show them. Show them what God has done for you. I have a little video clip I want to show you. It's a video clip about the Brownlee brothers. They're two brothers who grew up together loving a sport. They were marathon runners, and they, especially, they loved track as kids, and so their dad put them in, and a coach recognized their giftings, and now they're triathlon winners and marathon runners. And I just want you to see this tiny little clip real quick. The race. He's suffering. That is a very odd look for Johnny Brown. Look, look, his feet just says to me that he's in trouble. That would be incredible if Johnny Brownlee can, he, he oh, is in trouble. Look, look at, at him. this. This is unbelievable jo Johnny drama. Brownlee, I think he might have just fallen. He is in massive trouble. Who would have thought that Johnny Brownlee, he is 400 meters from the finishing line and he does not know where he's at. Johnny Brownlee may not make the finishing line. He's looking over his shoulder. He is desperately in trouble. Just get him some fluid here. He cannot be helped. I, I don't think I've ever seen this. Let's see if Alistair stops. Johnny Brownlee is no. not going to finish this race. Alistair's come, come, come. He's got him. This I have never seen this before. Henry Schoolman is going to win this race because Alistair Brownlee has stopped for his brother. I don't even know if that is allowed. I, you know this what? is incredible. I, I don't think he cares if it's allowed uh, or not. That is the most incredible thing I have ever seen in a triathlon. Alistair Brownlee is trying to get his brother across the line. Henry Schoeman is going to win this race. That is the most ridiculous thing. You would have thought that Johnny Brownlee had it in the bag. Henry Schoeman is onto the blue carpet. The two Brownleys are coming with less than 150 meters to go. They could get caught from behind because it is not that big of a gap. Taking the flag right now, he can't even hold himself up to take the flag. Here comes Richard Murray around the corner. This is the most ridiculous grand final I have ever seen. Richard Murray is coming. Henry Schoeman is going to claim the grand final, and it may be another South African coming up from behind. Schoeman, the Olympic Games bronze medals, will claim the grand final. And we got to look at this carpet because it could be Richard Murray making the work around. Coming down the two Brownleys, it'll be Richard Murray on the blue carpet in just a few seconds. This is absolutely insane. Here comes Richard Murray. The two Brownleys are trying desperately to get across the line. Oh my God, Johnny Brownlee in second. It'll be third across the line, Alistair Brownlee. And then can Mario Mola be fourth? That is the most insane last few meters. This is evangelism. We aren't worried about being first across the line. We're more focused on how many people we can get across the line. Even if it takes carrying their weight and literally shoving them across that line, we're going to do whatever we can. Whatever it takes, we're going to be tired. It's going to cost us. 
We're going to have to go give up our spot in line and push a few people over. This is what this life is all about. It's all about the one. At Elevate Ministries, we preach it. We reach one, we teach one, and then we want to unleash one. That is evangelism. Summer fruit is the best fruit. It's ripe, it's sweet, and it's so ready to be used. My mom would go and she bought gallons of freshly picked apples in Pennsylvania, and she brought them home and she made pots, vats of apple butter and applesauce and supplied everybody in our church with it. It supplied them the entire year. And it's what God wants to do with our lives. What God will use, ripe fruit, he will multiply it to be a supplier to many. Look around you this morning. If God can do miracles in your life, why can't he do it for someone else? If God turned on your spiritual hearing aids, then why can't he do it for someone that is stuck in this famine? Why won't he do it for someone else? The church is filled right now with potential of ripe fruit. The church shows what God does with ripe fruit. He will multiply it. He will use it to its absolute best potential. You will not miss out on anything this world has to offer. He will give you every good thing. He will make something from it that feeds others and nourishes others and sustains others. He will make it last. Our world is a famine, in a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. And we have to be ready when the ripe fruit shows up in our busy schedules. And just like God asked Amos, what do you see? We have to see it for what it is. Your coworker, your neighbor, your family members, they aren't just random people. That's a basket of ripe fruit. And today is the day of salvation. We've got work to do, church. So many opportunities are coming up this month. We get to give people back their hearing. 2 Corinthians 6.2, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is right now. And today is the day of salvation. Church, it's not about a bike. It's about Jesus. It is not about a movie. It is about Jesus. It is not about the beach. It is about Jesus Christ, the same God that healed me when I was a child, the same God that healed me from cancer wants to heal your body too, the same God that delivered me from sin and gave me my life, my dream life that I could have never dreamed possible. God did that for me. He can do it for the next person. He wants to do it for you. All you have to do is turn on the hearing aid. Hear the word of the Lord. Stand to your feet. We're going to pray this morning. But before we do, I want to reach out and ask. There's many people here today, and it is your first time. And you've been living in a famine of hearing the word of the Lord, and you probably don't even realize it. But coming in this place today, our hope and our prayer is that you felt something. Our hope and our prayer is that you recognized something you're missing. You recognize, wait, I think I feel the presence of God. I think I, I think I hear the word of the Lord. 
pray for you, I ask you right now to come down here and join me at the front. If you're here and you just want to be touched by Jesus, you want to know this Jesus who has blessed our lives, who has given us beyond our wildest dreams, who has saved us from an eternity of hell, I invite you to come down and let us pray with you. Anybody here in this place this morning? Right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. to turn them on. You just got to turn them on, church. Turn them on. There's, I can't even imagine living a life of famine of hearing the words of the Lord. I can't even imagine living a life without the presence of God. And so many do that every single day, and they don't even realize it. We got to be ones to turn on some hearing aids. Richard, can you pray with him? While they're praying, I just want to ask us to commit to this month. This month of evangelism. We have an opportunity to step out and turn on some hearing aids. That's all we want to do. We want to be a supply house for people in need who are walking in this famine. And if that's you this morning, I want you to just raise your hands to the Lord. We're going to commit together. Father, we ask you right now for every opportunity that we face this month, Father God, that it will be a ripe fruit moment and we will recognize it as that, Lord God. Give us words to speak, Father God. Give us, Father God, love to just show on people that are desperately in need of it, Father God. Help us, God, to turn on some hearing aids this month, Father God, so that people can can recognize what they've been missing, oh God, that they can say, oh Jesus, I've missed you. I need your voice in my life. Oh Father, I've missed that voice. God, put a yearning in our city. Father God, help them, God, to realize they're stumbling, Father God, and start coming to a place that can show them, Father God, that can help them turn on the hearing and we can wipe out this famine of hearing the word of the Lord one person at a time, Father God. Jesus, we worship you, Father God. We're believing for revival this month. Revival is going to happen in OC as it is in heaven. We're going to fill this place with new believers. We're going to fill this place with people who are fresh to hearing the word of the Lord. We will do our Jesus' name.